to another Ag Watchers. We've got a bit of a, a crossover episode. We have got Australia's, if not the world's, premier wool podcaster on the podcast today. He's more than that, though, isn't he? He's, he's more, more than just a. He's more than a podcaster. He is yeah. Marius Cumming, he, a he's legend. Mr. He's Mr. Wool. In, Mr. Wool. In, in, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you cannot walk through Hamilton. He cannot walk through Hamilton in less than five hours because he has to stop at every person. He is Marius. Thanks for thanks for coming along uh, to 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 watch us yeah. and having a chat about what's been happening. How, how, how are well, you? Thanks, fellas. I cannot verify any of those claims, uh, but the, the one about Hamilton, yeah, it, it usually does take a while to to get through the main street, not for any profile, but just for. Uh, Questions and complaints. It's been a been a been a long day for you, Marius. Today, what have you been up to? Yeah, but, so thank you for the opportunity to, to come on, guys. It's um, a great pleasure. And uh, yeah, look, I'm glad this this you know you you can't smell me. I've just come off from uh, an hour or two's crutching, and it's uh, yeah, I haven't had a shower yet. It's not pretty, and you can probably hear that the dogs weren't behaving very well today either. In my voice. <laughs> so. You also, you also, as well as being a farmer in near Hamilton, you also. What, what is your position at AWI? Well, I've been there for uh, fourteen years. I've had many different titles, but I seem to keep doing the same job. Um, I do communications. I do wool grower engagement, uh, and so yeah, bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. But my official title is uh, national manager of. Will grow engagement, I think. You're also you're also the host of the the, the most prominent uh, Australian podcast on the wool industry, aren't you? The the, uh, the yarn. So you do that as well. It's part of the remit, isn't it? Yes, that's true. I don't know how many more um, niches you can fit into that title, but yes, look, it is. Um, you were up to two hundred and thirty-one episodes. Um, we've had a few hosts along the way, co-hosts. That's uh, it's a lot of fun, and um, I, I know last time we spoke, um, you, were, you were questioning whether we could keep finding new things about wool, but every week there is something new to talk about with wool, and uh, it's, a, it's an industry that has a lot of passion in it, um, a lot of knowledge. It's a very, very long supply chain, there, so there's, there's no shortage of people to, to speak to, um, and there's no shortage of opinions. That's for sure. And now, before we get too my, much into it, well, we, my, my, well, my favourite episode of the yarn was one that was recorded in West Australia, <laughs> where uh, where two of the uh, two of the guests on it were bailed up by you because you caught them out for not going to visit your presentation. That was that was my favourite one. But, <laughs> well, but, I, I, I'm very worried about this. Uh, well, I'm worried that you know there's a trap to be set during this episode because uh look i I was genuinely upset to go to the west australian farmers conference and i knew you'd be there and i worked so hard on a presentation to impress you and so to not have you in the audience i had to ask you about what you thought of my presentation but you returned fire pretty well from memory you did ask what i thought of your presentation so it was uh it was a nil all draw well, I'm, I'm I'm looking for like it's been built up so much. I'm looking forward to the next time you you present. But you you were a bit worried that we were going to do some gotcha moment on this podcast. But that's unlike you, Marius. That's not our style. 
you know, we, <laughs> well, we are going to do yeah. we are going to do the sixth sense though. We, we've got we've been a bit oh, yeah, delayed in moving it. into it, but we will we will just and uh, Marius, I assume you're familiar with the sixth sense, which is going to fire. A couple of... Uh, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for Marius to copy it for the Yarn podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're going to fire six uh, words at you and it's a word association. So you just come back with a phrase or a word that comes to mind, the first one. Jeez. Did you say you, don't, you edit this or you don't? No, we don't. <laughs> That's, that seems like too much effort to edit things stuff out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Andrew, you can kick it off, mate. Man-made fibers. Oil, obviously. Oil. oil is not a man-made fiber, but yeah, I don't know. Nylon. Haggis. Did you say haggis? I did. Yeah, I love haggis. I, I had it at Edinburgh Castle. It was just beautiful. Not enough of it. I knew I, knew I liked Marius. Yeah. It's not, it's not true what they say about him. Um. Musing. Yeah. Well, yeah, hard work. Um, yeah, just uh, as you as you alluded to earlier, I've just been crutching uh, my merinos, and yeah, I, I'm trying to move to a, a, a well. I'm a non-mules um, operator, and it's in this high dag environment, it's hard work. So you know, when when growers invariably ask us about mulesing. Um, I understand. I completely get it. And it's been something that I've been part of this roller coaster for a long time. I still remember where I was when musing was, uh, became an issue. I was, I was in China on an elders wool tour as a journalist and someone got on the bus and said, Peter, these animal activists are, are tackling us about musing. And, um, yeah, it was one of those JFK moments and it's been a hell of a ride ever since. And that was 2004. Very enough. That that was the longest answer to a sixth sense I've ever heard, but that's that was good. It's very well, interesting. Very good. I think that was quite a fitting a fitting answer given you asked it. <laughs> Fair enough. What about um, what about the wool market just in general? Undervalued. What about Harris Tweed? Yeah, well, Harris Tweed. Well, yeah, colourful. Is that the six or we've got one more? I've lost count. You've got one to go. One more. Black pudding. Mm, yuck. Oh, I, knew, like... I, I knew I never liked Marius. <laughs> <laughs> how can you like haggis but not like black pudding? Well, I can't say I've had it for a while. Look, I'm happy to have another crack at it, but just the fact that it's congealed blood doesn't really help me. It's not congealed, it's fried. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw that uh, Danny that Danny Boy. Uh, there was a clip from Danny Boy that Andrew posted online just yesterday. I think again, where he talks about black pudding and co- what did he call it? it? It's just a big a blood big scab. Oh, no, big, big, scab. big scab. Marius, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make some of it for you when you come to the uh, the Ag Watchers Christmas night out. Thank you. Well, uh, is there a crossover with the biscuit? Um, census. Not sure. I'm not sure who runs that one. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It could be. Uh, could be anyone. Could be anyone. Could be the Scarlet Pimpernel. Well, I'm surprised you haven't 
on it. I, I've been following that with great interest. I'd like to know if there's any trends relative to geography and relative to the cost of the establishment serving said biscuits or otherwise, because I, I think there will be some interesting trends there. Mm, I think I think uh, from from the amount of time I've been following it, um, I seem to think because originally there was the you know obviously the ones closer to the city, the hotels closer to the city would be a bit um, stingy when it came to the biscuit offerings and the hotels in the regional and rural areas were a bit bit better. But I have noticed now that that's changing, that some of the rural and regional hotels are being a little bit selective about what they give. But um, usually the fancier the hotel, the less biscuits too. I've seen quite a few. Definitely. Honest- like, like we, where did we go, Matt? We went to that nice place on the, uh, on the beach. I can't remember which beach it was in Sydney. Northern Beaches. Oh, yes. Yeah, in Manly there. Manly, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. They, they had, like, lark whiskey. Yeah, the Pacific. Yeah, but they didn't have any biscuits. Yeah. No, but I think the whiskey wasn't free, was it? Was it not? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the bill then. Yeah. Now, Marius, we well, mentioned... Yeah. On, on, on the... I've, got a, I've, got, I've got comment on biscuits, thank you. Go on then, go on. But, well, we re- recently drove all the way to the Diamantina to see our daughter who's on a gap year up there. And so we sampled, and I, I think there is merit in what, uh, what you're saying, Matthew, about um, sort of almost like an inverse, inverse relationship with cost of establishment and number and quality of biscuits served. I, I think there is, I think there's a trend there. So anyway, I'd just like to put it out there to the universe. Please carry on. See, I, was, I, I, the, I, I actually stayed on a farm stay a couple of weeks ago in late September, uh, just south of Ballarat. And uh, I, <laughs> there was, wasn't, wasn't a single biscuit on offer. Well, there was a very, there was a very generous breakfast. There was, there was a ge- ge- generous cooked breakfast, but there was no... With black pudding? With black pudding, but there's no biscuits yeah. on offer. I'm just saying. Yeah. Some, some people can be quite hypocritical. <laughs> so, Marius... Right. Well, one one of the things that caught my attention in recent weeks was the a uh, the viral campaign you guys did on uh, what was it a, a, a Olympic synthetic synthetic yeah, fibers, but like a Olympic swimming pool every couple of minutes of oil used to produce man-made fibers. What what was it? What was the purpose of that campaign? Yeah. It's, um... It's, you're right, and thank you for uh, watching it and, and commenting and asking about it because it's uh, it's had a hell of an impact, and um, it's it's a campaign that is uh, pretty, well, for want of a better term, aggressive, I suppose, um, relative to other Walmart campaigns. And uh, yeah, you've you've quoted there that I think the quote is that an Olympic-sized swimming pool is used. Is it every two minutes? I thought it might have been twenty-five seconds. Um, it was it was quite sh- quite a shocking statistic anyway. Yeah, in the in the manufacture of um, synthetic fibres, and there was a very deliberate uh, attempt to to really cut through because uh, a lot of our research, I, I suppose, globally had shown that um, people understand that buying synthetic clothing is is not good, but they don't really understand why. And so fabric composition was not coming through as a a purchase driver. Mm. And so we're sort of drilling down into that. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to use an oil pun there, but we're having looked at uh, 
we wanted to really have a, a strong graphic campaign. And I think if anyone who hasn't seen it, it's worth, worth having a look at because it is, it is very graphic, but it is very truthful uh, around where synthetic garments come from. And so it's been quite amazing. In the four weeks that uh, we've had it running, there's been, it's been viewed 57 million times and has created over 600 press clippings. So it's, it has had a huge effect. It's had some, um, some, some quite cool billboards, 3D billboards uh, in, in major areas. That was um, major one, of the, one of them was in, in New York, was it? One one of them was in New York, Marius. Those billboards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was a a three D uh, billboard, digital billboard at Times Square, where oil that you sort of comes out of a a pipe, almost like sort of sewage, I suppose, and it um, it slowly fills up what what appears to be a a, a three dimensional container, and then the words come up around um, around the campaign, the, the the amount of oil used. And then that washes away, and then you get that lovely image of uh, of wool and where it's grown and how it's fully biodegradable and renewable, etc. So, yeah, it's had uh, it has had an impact. Um, the growers love it. I've had a lot of wool growers ring me who would not normally ring to say, "Isn't it great?" There's a few that don't like it. Um, a few are concerned that we, you know, we've we've made a real stand, and uh, the the um, their, their pockets are a lot deeper than ours, but we felt that we had to make a stand for the fibre. Mm. And you're saying too, you mentioned about wool being biodegradable. So you've got the process of making these synthetics goes through that vast amount of oil. Uh, but then also at the other end of the life cycle of the product, there's all that concern around synthetics and these microfibers that are making their way into the water systems and into the oceans. That's the other thing that wool doesn't do, right? doesn't kind of pollute with all those um, microfibers that, that are the thin, synthetic um, materials are breaking down to. That's right. The whole, the whole of life and the, the life cycle analysis um, is uh, is not good for uh, for man-made fibers. But you know, um, some some were saying, well, you know, haven't you been a little hypocritical? You know, you do need to use our fossil fuels to grow. Um, to grow wool, you know, we all have vehicles and what have you, but it was really a, a campaign specifically around what makes up uh, wool versus what is in a, uh, a man-made fibre in, in a garment made from um, synthetics. And so to that point of view, it's we're telling the truth and so we shouldn't be hiding away from that. I think, uh, as, uh, like, as, as Matt will know, I'm an incredibly fashionable person. And, um, you know, I, I, I've actually got a thing now. I don't have many causes, you know. Well, I don't have many causes at all. But I do get frustrated by fast fashion. And I, and I watch a documentary on YouTube, like it's a BBC documentary, but it's on YouTube, about these mountains upon mountains of clothing in, uh, in some places in Africa. I can't remember the country. It might be Nigeria or somewhere, where it's all just clothing that gets put into recycling bins in the developed world and get sent down there. But most of it's unusable because a lot of those sort of synthetic fibers, they tend to break down too quickly. They don't last that long compared to if you buy like cotton or wool. And I, and I, I actually, I had this argument with somebody before that it's too expensive, yeah? The product, the actual cotton or wool product? The, the cotton or wool product. But like if you actually go into a lot of stores now, 
you can actually get like especially cotton you can buy really good quality cotton stuff really cheap and wool okay wool's more expensive but i bought a, a merino wool suit recently uh, for 400 450 like from peter jackson on sale and uh, it'll last me a while hopefully unless i get fat So, so I think it's like, but I, I do hear more and more people talking about it, about trying to spend more on clothing, but to have it last longer. Yeah, better quality, natural clothing, and then have it last longer. A pair of Iron Williams, prime example. Mm-hmm. You buy a pair of Iron Williams, and it's ten years before you need them resold, unless you walk funny like you, Matt. <laughs> so, so, but you said, but Marius, in terms of that campaign, like it's quite a, it's quite a graphic campaign. How, how does AWI come up with that and the decision to go ahead with that? Oh, well, look, it's, um, these campaigns um, come from a, sort of a team of people and marketing specialists, and they put a proposal uh, to the AWI board, and that's really how those things um, evolve. I don't have much to do, it, do with it. I'm like um, yourself, Andrew, I'm not particularly fashionable, but... One of the nice things uh, that I do as part of my job is I often take retailers, brands, manufacturers to the source. So I often get to take them around um, to to farmers and see wool being grown and shearing sheds and what have you. And so, um, yeah, that's generally how that happens. But, um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that you saw that, um, that campaign and the, the documentary. I don't know, was that the Alex James campaign or was it a, another one or was it the make the label count campaign is also starting to gain some hmm. some traction which is is great which is getting people to look at you know what what garments are actually made of um so uh and of course this has been the you know the the overnight success that is is the campaign for wool that's been going for 12 years but um uh, it's yeah it takes a, a long time to get messages through so, so, so in terms of that, that campaign, so that marketing company came to AWI with the idea for the campaign and then you guys fund it, yeah? So does that mean I could come to AWI with, with an idea? For, for, for well, we're always, open. always I, open to ideas. All right, well, you have come to the right place, Marius, because one of the things that I am, as well as fashionable and modest, is uh, the other thing that I'm really good at is creative ideas. And, and creating solutions for the industry. So in a recent podcast, we gave the meat industry the idea of becoming sustainable through additional production of black pudding. Mm-hmm. And so... Now, I don't know if that campaign's yet to catch on fully. Well, pa- Patrick, but, you know. I, I, had, I had dinner with Patrick Hutchison this time last week, mm-hmm. and I reminded him, and he said he is on board and he is working his way through it at the moment. He says it's a lot of work to get a new product off the ground, but he's getting there. He's, he's assured me. So he's a man of his word. And so I expect to see that on the shelves and campaigns around the country very soon. But I've got another idea, yeah? And we'll talk about wool markets in a bit, yeah? And uh, as, as a resident wool analyst for uh, our, our other venture, crossbred wools, yeah, are pretty poorly performing in recent times. Marius? Very much so, yeah. It's, um... Well, I, I don't know what percentile they're on at the moment, but they're 
they're really low. And uh, yeah, someone that creates uh, that, that grows plenty of 28 micron wool, it's it's really disappointing at the moment. But there are, there is some. I've got a solution. Good news. Yeah, sorry, go on. I've got the solution. I've, I've fixed it. Right, but don't, don't you don't need to thank me. I don't need any. I don't need a statue or an OBE or anything. But I think what we've got to do is you've got to campaigns for all this high quality stuff like the merino, like beautiful what, 14 micron or whatever all those campaigns you've got mg bale doing stuff from tazzy and all that kind of stuff that's nice but what you need now kilts <laughs> what, what we need to do is bring back the kilt or to australia you know it uses all bring back the kilt to australia okay bring it in the first place to australia <laughs> and 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 start encouraging people to wear a kilt as a daily outfit, you know, when you think about it, a kilt is 28 yards of material. You'd, you'd run through the entire stockpile of 28 micron lickety split. So, so Marius, and you could even get your own AWI tartan. tartan. Right? <laughs> so, so how about that for an idea, Marius? Are we, are we cooking? Well, uh, yeah, I, well, I love the idea. The don't kill the kilt campaign could really, kick on and of course um, it, I don't know it's, it's interesting you said you know there was to be no setups on this podcast but I, I feel as though you've broken that promise but. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm genuinely serious Maris like, I'm actually as a, as a person of, of Scottish heritage but I've never worn one until I went to a wedding of a Scottish man and I was in the bridal party so that was the first time I'd worn a kilt um, as and then being born in Australia they're, they're actually incredibly comfortable I think they're actually quite a good item for men to wear because the extra room around the you know nether regions is i found it to be very well, liberating technically there is, there is some sort of argument for physi physiologically that a kilt is better designed for a man and yes. trousers, trousers are better suited for a woman so basically i get the whole campaign sorted like i'll i'll we'll, we'll get that guy from outlander what's his name sam something or other Get him on a horse riding through the streets of Hamilton with his kilt jumping off and say, you know. Why would we could just have Marius riding through the streets of Hamilton with his with a kilt on, surely? Yeah, true, true, true. Right. We need the accent now. You yeah, could we could dub it. We could dub it. We could, we could, dub, could it. dub you. We could dub you over Marius. Hello there. My name's Marius coming from Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, reckon... um, I think there's something there that you haven't quite thought through here yet, gentlemen, <laughs> and uh, it is around the comfort factor. It's comfort and sustainability, and it's slow fashion. And look, you could also have it as a singles thing. There's an additional thing. You could say, right, all the single guys out there, get your kilts on, because you'll, you'll strike it lucky with an Australian kilt. It's guaranteed. Mm, yeah. um, well, it's still it's still well, early, it's still early days, Marius. We're just we're just coming at this idea. And you can't don't expect a hundred percent solution off a podcast. We're we're just, we're just giving the initial initial first step of of an idea. You got the bones of it. You got the bones of it. Mm. We wanted to just so, work, work it a little bit. But Marius, when we started, we we spoke about the wool market more broadly. And I think when we did the Six Sense, your your response to my wool market question was you said undervalued. And I, I presume you weren't just talking about the crossbred wool there. You were talking about the market 
in general that you feel it's undervalued? Do you want to flesh that out a bit for us? What what your thoughts are there? Oh, without without wanting to promote too many forward uh, podcast episode of the yarn, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I did I did get to speak with. Uh, <laughs> did you like what I did there, Jamie? I, I did speak to Jamie Lilly last week from Fox and Lilly, and uh, he he sort of is amongst. Um, a few people I've spoken to recently that said that uh, there's there's some upward movement there, um, and there needs to be. So uh, yeah, I think it is undervalued, and the opportunity um, is there. Wool we'll, we'll, compared to synthetic fibres, seeing as we've been speaking about that, uh, is extremely um, good value at the moment. So um, is I that also because one, is that also because the Aussie dollars come off you know eleven twelve percent? since the middle of the year, like that, that's helped in terms, you know, obviously our wool gets all processed overseas. So do you think the Aussie is contributing to the, that additional level of kind of low value? Well, I think in, in Aussie terms, we've been lucky to get that kick, but, you know, wool is, is bought in US dollars and Traditionally, it's around that $10 mark, the EMI, in, in US dollar terms. And, and currently, it's, uh, what is it, seven ninety four. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's, it, it, that's, that's the, the sort of the, um, the indicator at the moment. So it's, you mentioned, yeah, you, mentioned um, you mentioned percentiles earlier, Mark, Marius, when you spoke about crossbred. And I, I actually, I'm in, I'm in preparation for a presentation Andrew and I are doing this week in WA, and I had a look at, uh, what that drop in the Aussie dollar has done to the percentile tables for the EMI in US dollar terms, and it's at thirty percent at the moment, thirtieth percentile. Yeah, well, that's um, yeah, it's quite amazing. But it's the thing that's been, if you look at a, a, a graph you know, through COVID of say the eighteen micron indicator, the twenty one micron indicator, and the twenty sorry eighteen, twenty one, and twenty eight. So those two finer uh, merino microns have actually sort of bounced after a pretty tough time through COVID, but that 28 micron indicator has not lifted since the depths of COVID. And part of the reason is because the uh, the contracts market has not been pulling through. So through COVID, no one was going to the pub, no one was going to shops, they weren't on aircraft, they weren't on trains. And so that the big volume of uh, upholstery was not being um, pulled through. But um, in recent times, we hear on good authority uh, from around the world that, that that is now moving. But we also have to keep in mind that Australia only produces 7% of wools above 24 microns. So we're not a big player relative to, say, um, apparel wool, fine wool, where we we almost have a sort of a, almost a monopoly. We're sort of, you know, around that 90% of, of fine apparel wool that's worn next to skin. So that's, um, that's where we are, but we are hearing that, that um, there is movement at that um, for those broader ends, but yeah, it really can't come fast enough for a lot of people. And how, particularly um, given that the back a bit. Yeah. How, how, is there a bit of a, like with that, is there much of a delay though, in that chain, like if, if, if you're saying now that it's starting to pick up, but does that take some time to, to flow through all the way, you know, to the, to the actual market for the, for the grower? Yes, of course it does. And there's, yeah, and there is a bit of a concertina effect we're hearing um, at, 
at the other end. So we've got to move through that. And I'm sure there's a, you know, there'd, there'd be a pretty um, handy amount of wool being kept on farm of those broader wools as well. So um, it's a pretty interesting position. But we normally over time, you know, if, if the merino microns lift and you have a considerable gap between, say, 21 and 28 micron, it starts substituting uh, because it's, you know, it's, a, um, it, it's just so much cheaper at the moment. I mean, what are we looking at at the moment? Uh, crossbred wools around 340, 350 and, you know, 19 micron is at uh, 15, 16. So it's a, you know, it's a $13 difference for something that you can, you know, if you're doing a, um, if you, if you, if you're knitting um, for something that's a little bit bulkier, you know, it's a, mm. it's a very, uh, it's a very cheap sort of uh, substitute, isn't it? It's a way of protecting mm. your margin about it from some, uh, from a spinner's point of view. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that's a fair point, I guess. Um, so, so what we should start to see? Do you think then will that flow through this year? Though we will start to see that kind of coming through towards the back end of this year, in terms of support for that crossbred stuff. Well, um, yeah, we're, we we live in hope. But, um, we we keep hearing that it's uh, uh, that that there is demand there. But we have to also find some new products, particularly for. Carpet, you know, that really strong wool, you know, over 32 micron, that's um, that's probably where you look at it from a, a farmer's point of view. Um, you know, why why grow wool that doesn't even cover the cost of shearing? So mm. that's, uh, we're seeing some interesting things there. We heard from Peter Ackroyd um, from, um, from London the other week. I had a broad wool uh, group um, that had a dinner and we Zoomed him in and he was, he was talking about um, some some innovative uh, products that have been created through um, wool awards over there, and pot plants, um, pot plant holders made of wool, um, has been one of the products that have come through that. So what a clever idea! You mm. have these little are made of wool, and you just plant you plant the pot, and of course so, it biodegrades. So you don't have to you know use use all those uh, all that plastic. So so the, so the soil the soil the soil goes straight into the woolen pot plant. Yeah, that's right. The, 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 the pot actually helps feed the growth of the plant. Mm. Very good. That's a good idea. Um, so, you so you mentioned... Andrew, not your kilt show. <laughs> you mentioned there um, the cost of shearing there in, in that in that kind of discussion around, you know, where growers are getting crunched, particularly those um, those growers of the of the more broad fibre that that they, you know, the cost of shearing doesn't even get um, make up for the for the for the you know what you're getting for the wool. Is um, there been any um, any kind of movement since the since the big conference in Canberra around um, Jobs Summit or whatever it was called? Is is that has that you know do you know if that's included anything in that? in terms of the shearing space and trying to alleviate the stresses on the lack of shearers presently? Oh, well, the, the, the shearing crisis was well underway before the, the job summit. Um, we've had plenty of shearing uh, summits around the, uh, around Australia, of course, exacerbated by, um, you know, the Kiwis as well, but that's uh oh, that's a whole podcast on its own, Matt. So look, there's lots of different ways to, um, to look at that and we've had enormous interest in the uh, catch and deliver uh, the race delivery um, 
uh, technology that's sort of been created and the pneumatic delivery of sheep. And we've actually had it in a pretty big shed up at Warcool, um on the New South Wales Victorian border where they're shearing, you know, something big composites of, you know, 90, 95 kilos. And um, yeah, it was very successful there. So that is, you know, creating a good workplace uh, and a good workplace culture is part of it. Um, training and retaining more shearers is part of it. Finding technology that keeps uh, people shearing, keep, you know, reducing injuries, such as, you know, getting rid of the, um, the catch and drag altogether is, mm. is part mm. of it. Um, you know, this MOU with New Zealand through shearer training is, is part of it. Um, there's a lot of different things. I mean, we're, we're hardly the, the only industry that's short, you know, short on labour. But um, it's, it's something that I think just from speaking to people around Australia that it is, is starting to ease. Now, I know I'm going to get complaints having said that. Um, but, you know, often when growers say they can't get shearers, I say, oh, what's your, you know, what's your shed like? Have you got a, uh, a good shed? Oh, no, I've got a terrible shed. It's like, well, you know, start fixing your shed, be, a, be an employer of choice. Um, there's, you know, there's plenty of ways to, to make sure that you're attracting Shears, I do. I do feel um, sorry for people in Queensland. There's, you know, there's sort of a, a, a lack of critical mass there in terms of a flock. So there are areas where there are, you know, there's plenty of areas where there's still genuine problems. But I can tell you, hand on heart, that AWI has really put a lot of effort into this area and will continue to do so. Because I remember, I've done the AWI shearing course. Well, there's someone, oh, there's someone on, there's someone on this podcast that could step in and lend a hand, well, Andrew. I'm just, I'm just saying, I did one day of it in 2014, so I'm, I feel like I'm qualified. Did you actually even get a chance to strike a blow and and hold a handpiece at all, or you just yeah, kind of one. looked at? I did one. What? Yeah. I did one. Mm-hmm. That was enough for me. <laughs> Realised how hard that was. What you're saying, White Law, is that you're part of the problem that you've been trained and you have not been retained. Well, nobody's came with me a big offer. You know, I haven't been drafted into the A-Leagues yet. Yeah. Well, generally, you, you sort of have to start with crutching and uh, I've ah. got plenty of that to do, mate. So, well, uh, you're welcome. well, nobody explained it to me. You could have been, you could have been giving Mares a hand uh, with the crutching you did after work today. Is there is there much more to go, Maris? Is there how many more have you got left to, to crutch in the coming days? Andrew, you'd be pleased to know there's no shortage of work here, mate. I'm I'm happy to pay you in kilts or haggis or, <laughs> or anything. Well, that would be that would be more than I make elsewhere. So maybe maybe it is. <laughs> I, I do think though that sheep sharing is again this is sheep sharing is a fantastic role for people, especially young people. Because the money you can make is good. However, it's not for me. It's too much like hard work. Well, I was going to offer some biscuits as well, but it's not enough. But the um, yeah, you're right. Uh, we do have some great advocates now as well. You know, you you have young guys that are 25, 26, rocking up in their their Land Cruisers, and they are making serious coin. Um, if you're prepared to work hard, um, there's a lot of gains to be made there, and um, there's uh, thankfully, uh, an increasing uh, number of 
young people taking it on and uh, um, and long may it continue. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to really highlight and champion those, um, those, those young success stories. Maybe uh, we could maybe look to do some kind of a, write a book about like an autobiography type book about a young shearer traveling the country, like a romance r- rom-com type thing, Andrew. And we get it made into a movie, get it made to a movie like some of these, you know, uh, Australian classics, gonna, and then we, it'll we, become we, popular. We could, we could have Marius as the uh, as as the sort of the mentoring trainer, like the Obi Wan Kenobi of the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have a bad feeling. Well, it, yeah, well, it, was, it was called Sunday Too Far Away with Jack Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't. I wouldn't have called that one a romantic comedy, Mario. So that, that was more of a, a fright movie, or whatever, wasn't it? A scary one. You need you need to appeal to the young folk with one of those romantic comedies. Get you. We'll kind of we'll cast that Travis Fimmel, Travis Fimmel from, from yeah. Vikings in it, and, and he's the, and he's the next farmer. He's he, yeah, he is from that. He, he probably I think he's up from Wimmera somewhere in or something. No, he's not Southern New South Wales. Is he? Mm. He'd know it this year. He'd know it yeah, you could have him, good, good-looking fella, and and then a bit of romantic kind of thing, and and uh, you know we could we could once you get that kind of you know popular kind of swell up of, of thing, then all, then all, everyone would want to be a shearer then. You got you got you got to make it glamorous. No comment. He's he's he's. What was it? Sorry, I missed that, Andrew. What did you say? I, I, I was waiting for you to respond about our idea for uh, sheep shearing movies. Yeah, well, um, again, uh, happy to receive all proposals. Um, yeah, movies are uh, are not cheap things to to create, but uh, you know, they, they well, have an impact. And look, there's, look, Marius, one of the things you'll understand from from uh, production of of media is there are certain levels. You know, you can get movies that are expensive to make and you get low-budget movies, just like you can get podcasts that are really expensive to make <laughs> and you got podcasts like ours that are really cheap to make. So it's all and you about, can't And you can hardly tell the difference between the two sometimes. It's not the size of the vessel, it's the motion of the ocean and how you, how you use it to make that film. And so low-budget, art house. Well, yeah, it was like we'll, that. We'll make, uh, we'll make it black. We'll make it black and white. Yeah, f- film noir, sheep shearing noir. Sheep noir. Um, you could. There, there is a film actually, uh, probably the most famous film about sheep. It's a Kiwi film called Black Sheep. <laughs> is that, that's another. That's another horror film, isn't it? It's a horror film about genetically modified sheep. Yeah, well, that's not which really. Is, which is actually hilarious, but uh, anyway. Like a cult classic. That um that that uh, series, Mister, uh, what's it called? Um, the one about the uh, Mister in Between. You know that series, Mister in Between, that yeah, became yeah. a smash smash hit in America uh, for that Australian actor and writer, whatever it was, Scott Ryan. Um, the original version of that was like a low budget student film, and then it became a big you know, cult classic in America. So that's the kind of thing. You don't have to have the big money and the big stars to start. Each could have a good idea, Marius. Yes, I should be more. I should be more open-minded. You're absolutely right, Matt. But what, the, the, the the thing I like about shearing, I mentioned to everyone. You may know this, but um, Henry Ford only came to Australia once in his life, 
and when he came, I think it might have been in the 1920s, and they they uh, they had a shearer shear a sheep for him, and it was just when mechanised shearing was was up and going, and he he said, "Wow, that's that's the best machine I've ever seen." And they said, "Oh, that's great! You know, just created it. We used to, you know, shear with blades." He goes, "No, no, no, not that machine. That machine." And he pointed to the shearer, which I quite like. Hmm. It wasn't that wasn't Rob Herman that shearer, was it, Marius? We might be older now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. well, so, Mr. Morris, we'll, we'll arrange a time for Matt and I to come in and be part of the creative team. I reckon uh, we could be able to help out. I thought you were going to say we'll create a, create a time for us to come and help Marius on the farm. I was going. I was getting worried then. I don't want to. I don't want to. I think if we helped on the farm, it would be more of a hindrance. It, it would be a hindrance and a backward step. He'd probably be better with no staff than, than us. Mm. Oh, well, look, so just please wear black uh, for the for the creative meeting, and um, um, maybe a, maybe a, a haircut for both of you, and you know maybe update a few. Marius, just a little hit. Marius, just 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 so you know, we're actually we're supporting the the merino industry. We are, we are. We're our, about to become. Our, our, we're about to become. Um, our work uniforms will be 100% merino wool, mm-hmm. polo shirts. Yep. So, wow. Uh, and, did you get that through the, the, those guys in WA? Where, who have you sourced that? Yep. W, WAMerinoCo.com. Oh, we, no, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're soon to be, we're soon to be uh, ambassadors for the brand, I think. And, and, oh, hang on. <laughs> You've become influencers. Look out, world. Here they come. And, and Marius, uh, our look of a bit scruffy is actually part of the, uh, that's the creative influences, like Salvador Dali or Jackson Pollock. You know, we're, it's part of it. It's part of the vibe. Matt's, Matt's, start, look. Matt's, Matt's bought himself a pair of Converse, you know, so he can be young and hip. Hippity dippity. Hey, fellow oh, youngsters. Mm. Right, right, so so Marius, um, we've probably kept you for quite a bit of time, and, and I know you are, uh, had a long day in the crutching cradle. Is that what they use? I don't know. Uh, yes, I was using a, a Harrington for those that are um, not exactly the latest technology, but it fits my budget, as I dare say it might fit yours. Uh, I, I, I just picked the only word that I knew about crutching. So, <laughs> and you, um, and you've been very kind actually to to make yourself available given, you know, the hard work you've just been doing. So, um, we we appreciate it very much. Hopefully, we, we, it wasn't too much of a setup with the not too much silliness, mate. You, you've you ca- you've survived it unscathed relatively. And it's it's good good to be in a podcast with a professional like you, Morris. Oh well, thanks, guys. Well, uh, it's very nice to have been to been asked. And in terms of your your ideas for for the kilt, so, you know, it does it does have merit. Um, as is the the shearing movie. So uh, keep them coming, and uh, uh, let's let's have a, let's have a listen to what you have to say. I'm more than happy to discuss it at the crutching at the crutching cradle whilst working. Whilst working. No, I I think there is some merit in that kilt. If you could get. 5,000 kilts sold in Australia, additional a year. That would be a large volume of crossbred wool. Just saying. It's, it's just we should, write, we should do an analysis piece on it, Andrew, to run the numbers to say how much wool 
would that actually how many would five thousand kilts use up or five hundred kilts and we could do a song about it we get the proclaimer. I, we get I the have pro- worn 500 kilts, kilts and I'll, we'll, we'll wear 500, 500 more. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's another the idea. We get the proclaimers yeah. over. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, working. We are just, we're just ideas, man. We should, you know what we should do, Matt? I've mm-hmm. decided it would, mm-hmm. suit, it would suit us down to a T. Mm-hmm. Is we give up this analysis malarkey, yeah? Mm-hmm. And we set up a, you know, like that madman yeah. TV show. Yeah, I think that, I think there was a group already in Australia that were kind of cutting edge marketeer types. Um, or the, there's a, there was a documentary on them that changed the whole world of marketing in Australia. Well, we'll 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 start up again our own our own creative consultancy. Yeah, just ideas, man. <laughs> and it's a fact, actually. Funnily enough, funny enough, this fact is from a book called Black Sheep, which I read on the weekend. Wasn't that the that was the New Zealand movie, wasn't it? No, no, it's the same. Well, it's the same title, but it's a different book. And sorry, Marius, for keeping you on while we wrap it on and go on a tangent. Tangent, a whole big tangent. But this is a book, uh, The Hidden Benefits of Being Bad. It's a psychological look at various things that you shouldn't do. And one of those is alcohol. And alcohol is obviously inherently bad for you if you imbibe too much. However, there is a certain quota of alcohol that assists in creativity. It's scientifically proven if you have a couple of drinks while you're trying to solve a creative problem, it will help more than being sober. So maybe maybe what we should do, Marius, is we'll postpone our our um, presentation to AWI and Andrew and yourself and I will go out for a couple of drinks while we discuss strategy around how we can 100%. how we can help the wool industry. Does that sound like a plan? A couple of whiskeys. Yeah, well, look, I agree with that. I think, um, I think after a couple of drinks, uh, you know, it's, all about moderation, of course, but I've always found that I play pool a lot better after a couple of um, beers, but it just sort of loosens things up a bit. I think it's that's good. It adds a bit of lubrication. It's part. Mm. Of, it's all part of the creative, the creative uh, influences uh, that that Matt and I try to uh, instill upon people. Mm. Right, right well, that's it. Now we should. Now we have kept you much longer than we anticipated. But thank you again, Marius, for coming on and and like I said, sharing uh, sharing your thoughts with us about the wool sector and. The, Letting us know about the ad, the recent ad, and um, we and appreciate if, it very much. And, and um, if, if you listen, want to listen to a podcast on the wool industry, uh, listen to the Yarn Podcast, presented weekly by Marius Cumming. Thanks, fellas. See you when you got nothing on. Toodaloo.